everybody, and welcome back to the Chaluminati Podcast, episode 214. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by the Rob Bryden, Steve Coogan of LA. Ooh. I want to be Steve Alex Coogan. And Jesse. Oh, called oh. immediately. Yeah, all right. You know what? I'll take Rob Bryden. I like Rob Bryden. He's a nice, he's, a, he's funny. He makes me laugh. But I love Steve Coogan. So we're, all right. Yeah, good, Steve good, Coogan's good. much, much funnier than Rob Bryden. No roasties, but. No roasties. Rob Ryden's a very, like, sort of old school, sort of, like, smarmy Welsh TV comedian. Like, I mean, he's, he's in movies. I'm not, like, trying to diminish him, but he's, he's like a host of a lot of TV shows and stuff. He's very good. He, he does voices, but he's old, man. You, he's it old. He's sounds good. diminished. I'm going to let you know. It sounds diminished. He's old. He's just, you know, he's old school. He's an old soul. That's why, you know, that's, that's why I'm such a Rob Ryden in my life going, you know. <laughs> you know I mean, that's true. If he is old school, then you, Alex, are that. That's like. Yeah. Your whole existence is existing in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I've been doing now for a long time. And for a long and with time. That, yeah, with that wonderful segue, folks, welcome back to the first thing I've written on this show in some time that is based on something from history that without question actually did occur. Uh, and speaking of changes of pace, I'm in a new era of advertainment here with regards to patreon.com slash pod, where I've decided that rather on focusing on the likely tens of thousands of people out there listening to this show for free who I might not ever be able to convince to fork over a meal or two's worth of money per month to get access to all types of good stuff like ad-free episodes, weekly mini-sodes, rotten popcorn episodes, our new show, incredible video, video digital mini-sodes. art. Yeah, video mini-sodes, incredible digital art from the unequaled Studio Electro and free merch every time we put out new merch. No. Instead, I've decided to focus on just one person, mm-hmm. and that person is the heroic post-ghost Christmas goose Ebenezer Scrooge type who's actually crazy enough to fill our one $10,000 a month <laughs> slot, which not only will make Jesse literally change to a believer instantaneously, at least for one month, but will also quicken the production process on tons of other stuff we've got cooking like video content, live shows, meetups, and even more cool stuff that you can't even imagine. So wild, nerdy, big-hearted millionaire-slash-billionaires out there, this bud's for you. Patreon.com slash Pod. Patreon.com slash Pod. Patreon.com slash Pod. And God bless us, everyone. everyone. I feel hey. like we're asking, if we're going to target millionaire billionaires, I feel like we're asking for a l- too little. I'll suck your dick, all right? Whoa! Whoa. Baby steps. Whoa! Baby Whoa. steps. He was like... I thought that Jesse meant ask for more money, and Mathis was like, sweeten the deal? How about my sweet, sweet lips? That's yeah. what I, I meant more money. I didn't mean... No. Oh, 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 me too. Huh. <laughs> There'll be a new tier. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we're not going to go any farther down that road. Yes, indeed, at long last. I don't think that's a lot on Patreon. At, at long last, it's time for JFK 2, the Oliver Stone a second set of episodes about the late, great John Fitzgerald Kennedy, who, if you believe the official story, was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963 in Dallas, Texas, by an ex-military marksman with the now infamous three-part name Lee Harvey Oswald, who made a one-in-a-million shot, maybe, and acted alone, and then was eventually killed by another man, nightclub owner, and possible career criminal Jack Ruby, who also acted alone. On behalf of the city of Dallas and America, and weirdly, Jacqueline Kennedy. And that, as they say, is that. Before we dive in, we have to yeah. do a quick five minutes, real quick. You, okay, you know what? We have, we have to, to. We, we have, have to, to kneel at the altar really quick. We have for to Matt kneel at the year. altar. We're going to talk about more detail in mini So, patreon.com slash Illuminati pod if you want to get a the full ass breakdown. 
I'm just want to get your thoughts on the uh, congressional hearing. That's it. I don't want to go deep into it. I'm, I just want a snapshot of your thoughts of the UAP congressional hearing on microphone for our audience. Yeah, just to lay it out for everybody who didn't see it and maybe listens to this show. Uh, everything that Grush talked about in that interview, everything that we've been hearing over the past two months, three months or whatever, however long it's been going on now. Everything that we've been hearing, actually, like all the military sightings for like the last couple of years we've been talking about on the show. That's pretty much. The extent of what we talked about at this hearing, mm-hmm. uh, except now it's on the government record. Right. He said it to Jamie Raskin, you know, real politicians with real there. good. Yeah, AOC was there. Real politicians with, with actual track records. I saw Matt Gates talk more earnestly yeah. than I've <laughs> seen him speak about anything in the last seven fucking years. If, if you walk away from anything with that hearing, it's watching AOC and Matt Gates and all of them never posture with each other work yeah. off of their own like the others questions like continue their questioning yeah. and also like give themselves respectable compliments at the very beginning of like thanking each other yeah. for being here i've it's i don't think i've ever seen that group of people work bipartisan like that ever before yeah. it was yeah. wild to so just, here's the so, to so the hot, yeah the hot take for me is this now, i am no further convinced or not convinced than i was before the mm-hmm. conference on whether or not it's real right yeah, Th- that. But I don't. I'm the think same that's, way. I don't think yeah. my, my my belief meter is bud. But I don't. It. I don't think that's the point. Like I think the point. The point now is that like, if it if it were true that this is all real and that people within the government needed to come out and disclose some stuff uh, for like national security purposes and because we're taxpayers and we're paying for this and it's been being hidden from us, this is exactly what it would look like. Yeah, boring. A hearing. Yeah. This is what they want. And, and it, it, people want them to be like, why don't they just come out and show everything? And, it's, and in the, the answer is uh, people go to jail for that. The people know? with the info don't, aren't the people that are, that are in this hearing. Mm-hmm. That's not, the point is that they're trying to force the people with the info to show it to the American people. This, These people are yeah. the people that are like not in control of that information, who are yeah. trying to get control of it because they have clearance to see it and have heard too many stories. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's, and apparently it's they've seen some things behind the scenes that was like handed to them video wise, but yeah. we don't have evidence. Well, of that that's right now. yeah, that's neither here nor that's, there. Exactly, that's only exactly. available. No in the evidence skiff. of that other than their yeah. words. Yeah, this exactly. is a, skiff, a skiff hearing was happening with AOC. Yeah, or something to do with that afterwards. Basi- so basically, like, yeah, he was like anybody who has the clearance who wants to like come get some more specifics and some names and some stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he was going to give them literal names of people working the programs now in the places the programs are happening now. But that's yeah. so class, like that's so security clearance that had to be at the skiff meeting or whatever it was. Yeah, which is the it's called like well, I forget what it is like a secure something room. It's like SCF. Yeah. It's like yeah, it, yeah. It means, like, I don't know what it means. It a room either. It's like a conference room that's private. Yeah, private personal conference room. That's how I feel about. It. I don't know about you guys. Sure, sure. I'll go to Jesse before I give my wrap up thoughts on it. I don't think your beliefs. Obviously, your belief hasn't budged at all either. Uh, I don't think any of ours have. No, no, no. I think it's interesting. It's it's. One of those things that is... Did you get to watch it? I know you've been super busy with travel and stuff, so I'm not even sure you got to see the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I got to watch highlights and clips of it and stuff. Um, Roughly what we heard before, like you said, except now it's on a government record, which is fine. I feel like, you know, we're still in the same space we were before, except now it's like a bigger stage, if that makes any sense. so Yeah, I think that makes like, sense. It, it's... Could this lead to something? Yes. More, it has a better chance now than ever before. 
Will it lead yeah, to something? Sure. I'm still not convinced of that. I'm still in the space of like, this is going to be a whole bunch of nothing still. Um, yeah, unless they drag out the aliens like this is Glip Glorp and he is here. Like At this point, what else is there to say or do? You know? No, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think, you know, I'm mostly on uh, agree with all, all the points that both of you said. I don't think this meeting, uh, this hearing rather, wasn't for people like us, so to speak, the ones who are so deep in the know, because I don't give you a choice. You know, I do all the fucking like I'm so deep. We already know all this stuff. Um, this was, as you said, this was to get the stuff on record, uh, to get it into uh, under oath on record. Something I learned through the research is um, AARO's uh, Sean Kirkpatrick, when he do you remember the testimony, the whole public testimony he did uh, yeah. during that time? None of that was under oath. And I had no idea. None right. of that was under oath. This was. Um, and so everything that we heard from them is stuff that we knew because we've been kind of following it for a while. Um, but it was to get it on the record so that the Congress can then make the legal next steps to investigate because you can't just jump in and demand private companies, you know, this, that, and the other without, there has to be precedent. Yeah. There has to be precedent and you can't just jump to the end and, and, you know, be that whistleblower because that's the people who get like distrusted and smeared the easiest because they didn't go through the legal channels. Um, and this was really for uh, the big thing, the public in a lot of ways, the public who don't follow this stuff. This was covered by major news outlets, AP News, you know, ABC, Fox, CNN, fucking all the three letter alphabet news companies, wrote articles, Washington Post. Um, and it was really for them. It wasn't the, the stuff that we heard was good to hear them say. I really was curious if we were going to hear them say they have craft or any sort of biological matter in any way. And they did. I didn't think that was I wasn't convinced that that was going to happen. Uh, but this was, yeah, to get it out there. And, and like you, Alex, I've had a lot of people texting me that yesterday and today, like, did you see the news? Did you see? Right. Did you see? And I'm like, OK, it's, so the people who never I've brought this up this. to me or yeah. ever gave a shit before are now talking to me about it. And that means it at least reached ears that normally wouldn't. And that's really what it for now. Like I said in my tweet, too, I think we're at the peak whistle. We can't there's no more whistleblower can really do at this point. Like we have the Senate hearing coming up next and obviously the Schumer amendment added to the bill about UAPs. But in terms of like it's all into it's all up for investigation now. Like we need the physical evidence. They need to be looking into the private like Raytheon and Lockheed if these actually have, you know, craft or whatever. It's it's watching the law work because now it's going to take months as things grind. You know, law just takes fucking forever. I'm just uh, looking forward to September at this point. Senate hearing. Yeah, the Senate hearing is the next thing to look forward to. I don't know what to expect out of the Senate hearing, though, at this point. Like, I'm genuinely not sure. I feel like the reactions that everyone you know has is totally different from everyone who messaged me. Because it's really funny that, yeah, everyone's like, oh, wow. But also people are like. I got bills to pay, man. Like, I don't even like I got. Stuff oh, but to there's do. a mix of that as well. Like, yeah, I get the text <laughs> message, but a few of them are like, you know, there's like this fucking aliens and I have to pay rent in a week. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that tweet that was like, I'm not paying any student loan payments if there's aliens. Yeah. And I, and I wonder <laughs> if that's another reason the government, if it's if it's doing the slow rolls, maybe that's why they don't want people to like stop participating in, in the economy because they now. Right. You know, there's aliens. They, I don't know. It's all speculation. But I, I agree with you, uh, both of you. We're really at peak now. Peak whistleblower. There's just not much more a whistleblower can do there's without so much they can do. Yeah. 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 There's not much they can do at this point. It's on record under oath. Uh, unless the next whistleblower brings video photos or physical evidence. 
It's right. just up to investigation now. And we kind of have to watch it. It sucks. We're civilians. We don't get to be privy to the skiff meetings and all this other stuff. I do want to know more about that fucking red cube, though. Let's let me let me know more about the red cube, AOC. Tell me more. We'll talk more about the details a little bit in the minisode, but just uh, the quick surface thoughts there and uh, give it back to Alex. Thank you. By the way, just really quickly, because I want to make sure that we can we have this out there for the public. A skiff is a sensitive compartmented information facility. Okay, meaning just like really hard to spy on. I'm imagining basically. Yeah, it's like a place where you go talk about secrets. So funny. It's clearly a room, but it's information facility. Like, all right, cool. It's probably like the most boring fucking room as well. <laughs> it's like running of course on it is. an old yeah. 2000s computer somewhere. Well, it can't have internet connection. Oh, true, true. It could just be like a shitty, like where the babies go in church when they cry kind of vibe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. You can't, you can't bring okay. in phones. You can't have internet connection. That cell zone is dead. It's interesting. I'm grateful it was a bipartisan skiff meeting as well, not just one or the other. I want that to be my bedroom, actually. That'd be great. Back to JFK and the mysterious, the mysterious energies flowing from the Oliver Stone. Ooh. Yeah, it's, it's too perfect. If you are interested in the basics, the events of the actual JFK assassination, if you are checking in, the last time we did this was like, you know, a, quite a while ago in our episode order. So if, if you need to go back for a refresher, you want to go listen to episode number 139. Then you want to go listen to episode 158. Then you want to go listen to episode 159, and then you want to go to episode 160, and then you will never have any questions about the day that John F. Kennedy was murdered ever again. Just kidding. You will have many questions about it again. Uh, But today, both in relation to JFK and in a larger sense myself, editorially, we're going to sharpen focus a little bit, tackle some more specific subject matter related to the case that I think is interesting to talk about, and pump out some nice, crisp clean episodes for you guys and the fine people listening at home that just sort of hum along without bloating it with all kinds of weird meta stuff and extra length uh, based on Chiluminati show lore or anything crazy like that. It's, it's wild that we've been around so long that we have lore to our show now. This man, this man straight up lied to you in the opening. He did an Oliver Stone joke and then was like, we're not going to do Chiluminati lore. We're not going to do anything we have to know about other... You did an Oliver Stone's joke. You did a stone, green stone joke about Oliver Stone, and then you were like, you don't need to know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, here's eight cryptic <laughs> clues about the next eight episodes I'm going to be writing this year and perhaps beyond. Get ready for this. Oh, also, shit. for some reason, they all start with the letter H, the eighth letter of the alphabet. I don't actually know why it's that yet, but that's exactly what I'd say. Whether I was going to bullshit you, whether I was going to bullshit you or not, that's exactly what I would say, uh, even if it came at the last moment. I don't know. I'm pointing it out right Bro, now. in Gematria... Eight is H, and that means green stone. And the green stone is a bunch of islands beyond the ice wall on our huge flat earth. Fuck. If you wait long enough, if you just keep beating the same drum, it takes on a life of its own. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Two guest episodes are next for me. First one, the clue is hidden. uh, And that's going to be with somebody Jesse and I know very well. Number two, the clue is heavyweights. And that's going to be with somebody you've probably been waiting us for, uh, waiting for us to have on the show. Uh, number three, the clue is horse. Number four, the clue is head. Number five, the clue is what? hello. Number six, the clue is huge. Number seven, the clue is him again. And number eight, the clue is hero. Anyway, 
I'm all about a nice, clean episode or two here, probably. Uh, so let's kick this thing off uh, for real with a quick disclaimer, just like always. John F. Kennedy was a real person, and his assassination was a real act of violence. Therefore, we're going to be discussing some seriously disturbing imagery and subject matter throughout the course of this series. This was the high-profile murder of a sitting U.S. president. Videos and pictures you Google after listening to this may disturb you, so proceed with caution. It also happens to be one of the most notorious moments in world history, and therefore extremely ingrained into our national culture at all levels. And so sometimes it's easy to forget that it all really happened. And I'm sure that at some point during this, one, two, or all three of us are going to be flipping about this in ways we haven't been about other murders on the show. So let me apologize for that in advance. Also, please remember that until the very end, I'm going to be reporting on what other people think happened that day. If you don't like what you hear, do not shoot the messenger. That is all I am. I'm repeating stuff that I have read. And at least until the end of this whole maxi series, when I tell you what I really think. And finally, even though I promise I'm going to try and do this to the best of my ability, I am not an expert. I'm just an internet clown man. That's it. All I am. I do the, the laugh em ups on the onlines. I'm going to make some mistakes, maybe even some egregious mistakes. So again, I'm sorry. Let me apologize for it in advance right now. And now, without further ado, let's get this show on the road. It's time for JFK 2, The Oliver Stone, Part 1, Kennedy versus the World. I say, are we rewinding to his post-death then? Uh, we're kind of going all over the place. Or pre-death. Uh, and then we're going to go way back in time, yeah. So a little while ago now, as I first started researching this topic, I saw that Oliver Stone, the award-winning Hollywood director, had made a follow-up piece to his 1991 movie, JFK, which released in November of 2021, the 22nd of November to be exact. Uh, it's called JFK Revisited Through the Looking Glass, uh, along with a four-hour-long version called uh, JFK Revisited Destiny Betrayed, instead, uh, both of which are largely based on a book called Destiny Betrayed, JFK, Cuba, and the Garrison Case by, De- by James DiEugenio. I uh, also want to shout out uh, our house researcher, Deanna. It's the first time I've uh, collabed with Deanna on a project, so props to there her. She was is. absolutely essential in getting these episodes out there for y'all, so tell her thanks if you see her around at Deanna Writes Inc. online. Do you, you find her? Quick question. Quick question. Yeah. A skipping ahead back to when he's, he's yeah. dead already. Do you think when, like, the guy doing the autopsy on his body was, like, alone with the JFK body, he did, like, a... Don't do this. Almost like a Jeff do Dunham kind of, like, I'm the president. Don't do this. And just, I'm the president. <laughs> and, you know, hear a little sloshing of the brain up top, you know, just kind of the jaws just flapping a bit. You know, that was the nicest thing you could have said. I was honestly expecting worse. We'll get there. Let's, we'll, you know what? Don't worry about that right now. I made the disclaimer. It's all fair game now. This book touches on one of the most central theories associated with the JFK assassination, which is only shakily supported and extremely controversial, uh, but also probably one of the most widely believed theories, thanks in large part to the largely inaccurate and fictionalized film JFK itself, which most people believe to be almost as reliable as a documentary like or something like that when it comes to facts about the assassination and which pretty much single-handedly revived national interest in the idea of a JFK conspiracy. Uh, Anyway, put it back in the zeitgeist through this new sort of lens. I mean, also, coincidentally, it was around the same time that the uh, Berlin Wall came down. So I think maybe people were just kind of thinking about Kennedy, maybe, you know, for that reason, too. People always thinking about Kennedy. RFK's out there right now making people think about Kennedy's even though they don't want to. You're, no, you know what? You know what? Speak of the devil. So as much as I personally <laughs> love this movie and the wild way that it tends to uh, present conflicting information and conflate archival, archival footage with, like, newly shot material that they, like, make it look like archival footage, too, which is kind of fucked up if you think about it. But it really gets to the core of what it feels like 
to think about the idea of a JFK assassination conspiracy. And I think that the sort of like psyop part of that movie, be it intentional or unintentional on Mr. Stone's part, has kind of become locked in. Like you can't, no matter what you do, like he, the damage is done uh, to serious discourse on the topic with regards to JFK. Like this movie was too big of a thing. And therefore, much like the Jesse Ventura book that we used to take us through the basics of the alleged or speculative lore surrounding this historical moment, even as I went through and disproved things I was saying, I thought it would be a good idea to do this again uh, with JFK Revisited as a vessel. JFK the movie, JFK Revisited, uh, we're going to go through them again as a vessel for taking us through the angle where President John F. Kennedy was assassinated by entities within our own intelligence and military agencies related to the president's politics surrounding the global spread of communist governments and possibly even as retaliation for his actions taken at key points during his administration, which I've already lightly touched on and which we'll get into deeper in a minute. Uh, of course, I'm going to dip around to whatever sources I'm missing as needed to tell a full, clear story of what the vibe was whenever I need to. But you heard me right the first time. Today, the weird stone that I'm talking about that's mostly just boldface lies is actually Oliver Stone. It's a hilarious joke. We've covered it already. I figured that, yes, it's unfortunate that so much of the culture around this topic is so heavily intertwined with a movie with so little historical value. And that a little conspiracy theory creeping in here and there might not be such a big deal in exchange. Uh, so I sat down, I watched this movie for like five and a half minutes, and literally the first thing that I see on the screen is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on the screen talking about Bobby Kennedy made a, the first phone call, Bobby, he was like, the first phone call my dad made after, uh, you know, his brother being shot was he called Langley and he was like, did you conduct this horror? And uh, I'm like, wow, uh, <laughs> alarm bells are going off larger than I thought. Uh, and even in the year and a half or so that this has been out, uh, context around RFK Jr. Uh, especially has already shifted so far from where it was uh, when he sat down for those interviews to where it is now as him running as a Democrat for president in 2024. That's all right. Well, we uh, no, at least he's letting us all know that COVID was engineered to avoid who was it? There was two people. Ashkenazi Jews and the Chinese is what it was. That's right. Oh, man. What, what, a, what a feat of, of, of viro virology he's, engineering. He's, he's brave. He's brave. Uh, as of a few weeks ago, he was polling between 8 and 21%, uh, according to the article, The Alternative Facts of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. by David Remnick at The New Yorker from July That's 7th, 2023. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to poll somebody this early in the game, right? Yeah. Uh, so just in case you don't know who RFK Jr. is, real quick, he is the son of Bobby Kennedy, uh, JFK's brother, who's uh, his, also his attorney general. And after he left office in 1964, uh, Bobby served as a senator for New York from 1965 until his own assassination uh, during his presidential campaign. Right after he won the California primary, he was in Los Angeles, unfortunately, uh, to my shame, my great shame, on June 6, 1968. It's a whole other can of worms. It's like another totally different Kennedy assassination with all kinds of conspiracy theories. Uh, we're not going to get into that today. But anyway, RFK Jr. is that guy's son. He is unbelievably married to Cheryl Hines from Curb Your Enthusiasm. And uh, even though he's got all the way to 69 years old as a Kennedy without holding public office, he is a Harvard-educated attorney and law professor with a history in conservation and environmental law. Uh, but though he's got plenty of bona fides, bona fides, bona fides, bona fides, bona uh, with a little more yep, scrutiny, it is impossible. It is impossible to ignore how dangerously this man wields the same conspiracy theories we've seen a thousand times in much more legitimate venues just because he's like not rude. 
Like, just because he's, like, not a piece of shit, like, at talking to people, he gets to, like, much more legit places and is able to spout conspiracy theories. Uh, here's a quote about him uh, from the New Yorker article uh, for Jesse to read. Um, and uh, then you can do your own research and you can form whatever opinion about him you want. But uh, personally... Oh, I have opinions. <laughs> personally, I don't like the man very much. But that's for you to read, Jesse. If there is a madness, slight or otherwise, in Kennedy's bid, it is not confined to his hubris. He is roiling with conspiracy theories. SSRIs like Prozac might be the reason for school shootings. Vaccines cause autism. There are many. To prepare for the conversation, I listened to some of Kennedy's podcast sessions with the likes of Barry Weiss, Jordan Peterson, Russell Brand, and Joe Rogan. I watched his marathon announcement speech and tuned into all the... I think they each rent the same brain cell to each other for, the, for their shows. I mean, really, it's... The list of those four people is roughly the same show. <laughs> yeah, I know. Same show over and over and over again. It's yeah. a bummer, dude. I watched his marathon announcement speech and tuned in to all the all the hosannas he was getting from a uh, peculiar amen corner. Hosannas. That includes Steve Bannon, Jack Dorsey, and Tucker Carlson. Oh, man. In his 2021 book, The Real Anthony Fauci, Kennedy accuses Fauci, <laughs> who was then the nation's top infectious disease doctor, of helping to carry out 2020's historic coup d'etat against Western democracy. The book has blurbs from Carlson, Naomi Wolf, Alan Dershowitz, and Oliver Stone. What was the reason they, like, Fauci was bad again? Because he, he wasn't, he adjusted his views as he learned more things? Um, because Fauci said, get a vaccine. Here's all I need to know. Some portion of this country absolutely believes that the vaccine is killing people. Not just killing people, but if you are around people that have the vaccine, it's shedding virus onto you and then you are getting sick and it's killing you. So people who got the vaccine are now active carriers of basically it's people who don't understand. So basically it's the same, same shit people are saying when the flu vaccine came out. Got it. It's the reason why the measles exists again in Florida. There was a, I saw there was a, uh, a few articles that did like a, a study of the, the deaths, the deaths post vaccine release and in Florida in particular, like, the, they, when they were looking at statistics and breaking it down via like uh, uh, democratic uh, uh, democracy lines, it was like the Republicans had taken so many deaths that it affected their vote moving forward right. in that state like, because so many people without the vaccines died. The problem is, is that if it isn't someone you know, then you aren't affected. And then a lot of people are so culty. And I'm going to say MAGA is a full-on cult. Um, they're so culty. At this point. Yeah, that I read an article the other day on Reddit where a guy was, was saying that his wife was taken to the uh, ICU. She died of COVID. And he's like, COVID doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't make any sense. And the doctor was so flippant because he said, if I'd just gotten a vaccine, my wife would have lived. Like, how dare he? He killed my wife. And I'm like, bro, what? Yeah, dude. So that's where we're at. My sister's father-in-law also died from COVID in the hospital um, as well. And uh, one of his kids is like lost to the, to the, like the conspiracies of QAnon and shit. And it just, she could not, it did not, it was something else. The hospital was wrong. They're, they're lying about what killed him. It wasn't, and it just, it's, it's like, you can't get through to these people even now if they lose someone like their father. There are some people that are so lost. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I gave you the second half of that. I gave you the second half of the quote there. Kennedy's habits of mind are MAGA adjacent, but his manner differs from that of his Republican doppelganger. Donald Trump is a bully, rude, swaggering, out to flatten his questioner under an avalanche of lies and volume. Kennedy is not. 
Rather, he is serenely convinced of his virtue and his interlocutors, yep, locutors of Borg, yep, you got it. pitiful susceptibility to the <laughs> conventional wisdom. <laughs> thank you, thank you. The experience of interviewing him and listening to his previous interviews, I found, was like setting in for a long train ride with a seemingly amiable stranger in the next seat. You ask a straightforward question and... An hour later, as you race by 30th Street Station in Philadelphia, he is still going on about the fraud of COVID vaccines and how he was unfairly deplatformed for spouting conspiracy theories. Let's be clear. The conspiracy theories he's spouted for decades, he's been deplatformed many times because yeah. the things he says are like full on, not just conspiracy, but racist as shit. Like he says some wacky stuff. It must be hard to only be able to make it onto the Oliver Stone documentary. <laughs> must be hard to not be able to get the word out i just wish my mom had known vaccines caused autism and we could have saved my my younger self a whole lot of bullying that's do you think that's what it was i would have had smallpox but you know it would have been i wouldn't have been yeah, autistic you probably would have died but like you know whatever yeah 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 i might have died and i might still actually have been autistic anyway because that's not what causes autism but hey yeah fucking weird yeah he is um basically kennedy is the best way to describe him is he is the Republican version of a Democrat they like. If yeah. That, that, yeah, like yeah. That's the best way to describe it. He's like a mind-snatched Democrat. It's like so Does weird. Does he have any like left or left-leaning beliefs in like, any way? Like I said, he's like an extremely like ardent environmentalist. He he he's he's super like that's what his career has been. He was like literally a law professor of environmental law. Like he has actual bona fides. That's what I was saying. But he just He's just like deep down the rabbit hole of conspiracy to the point where he trusts nothing. He likes it. Yeah. And, and it gets him attention. And every time a new conspiracy, well, well he, he has, he has like a, um, like a circle of Kennedy where he straight up, like says some crazy shit gets put back in the public eye. He's his crazy shit goes a little bit too far. He's deplatformed for five, six, seven years. And then another but crazy thing comes yeah, along. But he's, he's F Kennedy. Yeah. He's F yeah, Kennedy. He's a so Kennedy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so I started watching this movie. This this guy is literally the first guy in the movie talking besides Oliver Stone, who's like on camera. Alarm bells go off. It's the guy who said COVID could have been engineered to spare Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese people. Don't want to go too far into crazy town. So for this series, as we move through the CIA killed JFK timeline, Oliver Stone lays out in his documentary. I turned to one of the literally biggest books I've ever seen. Uh, Reclaiming History, The Assassination of President John F. Kennedy by Los Angeles Deputy DA Vincent Bugliosi the guy who wrote Helter Skelter and prosecuted Charles Manson, which after 1,632 pages of meticulous research, concludes that Oswald acted alone and that the Warren Report is almost completely correct. Uh, now, like I say, without being an expert myself, I can't say for sure which books are, quote, more legit than other books, if that even exists anymore with how much of a fucking mess the JFK yeah. assassination is in these 60 years. Uh, and admittedly, this book, Reclaiming History, does suffer a bit from the same problem uh, Governor Ventura's book had, which is that it's got this, like, unnecessarily toxic tone. The discourse is, like, hurtful against his critics and people who would dare say it's a conspiracy. He's, like, mean. And, he, and Bugliosi actually seems to, like, relish clowning on people and pretty much anyone he disagrees with he's like merciless towards uh but as a guy who shares that'll win that that proves you right right uh but as a guy myself who shares his opinion frequently on the internet with large groups of people i also kind of think maybe that just comes with the territory in this field as no matter what you do you can never escape you will always become fucking you know 
harrowed by the fucking masses. I am become harrowed. Yeah. Uh, so in the interest of playing the devil's advocate here for a second, uh, before I dive all the way into Oliver Stone and Eugenio's timeline, and I do mean timeline, we're going far back and a, a lot of it is just American history. Here's an excerpt from an extremely negative review of Bugliosi's book, just to, just to give both sides a chance to be heard here. Um, from the University of Georgia law professor Donald E. Wilkes Jr., writing shortly after the book was released in 2007. I just want to balance it out, you know? If I'm going to make this the counterpoint to Oliver Stone, I just want somebody to say something bad about it. And that's for Mathis to read. The critics who castigate Bugliosi's book as one-sided, close-minded, and ultimately unpersuasive are wholly justified. Reclaiming history is sesquipitalian whim-wham. Sesquipitalian whim-wham. It is... Bugliotian Bosch and Buncombe of Brodingnagian proportions. <laughs> it totally fails to rehabilitate Sorry, what? the war. Yeah, uh, I'll try it again. It's Buncombe. Buncombe? It's Buncombe of Brodingnagian proportions. Brobding- Brobding- Who wrote this? Brodingnagian. It's, it's some law professor. He's writing like, I don't even he's know. He's smart. Like a, he's using yeah. big words, so he's smart, guys. He's, he's writing smart. like a Victorian paleontologist. Sesquipedalian? Whimwham? This dude is, 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 like, is like posting a rebuttal like I did in high school on forums when I used like thethoris.com yeah. to make myself sound more funny or more advanced. But the, but the phrase sesquipedalian whimwham, I'm using that from now. I don't know what that yeah. means, and I'm going to use it from now on. Sesquipedalian. Oh, my God. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. It totally fails to rehabilitate the Warren Commission's inadequate investigation and its error-ridden report. Instead of a history book, Bugliosi has penned an over-lengthy partisan harangue. In short, Bugliosi has done a disservice to the Warren Commission critic, leaving in, uh, living and dead, who have labored often successfully to broaden our understanding of the JFK assassination and to the dead president himself, whose fiendish murderers, in part because of the ineptness of the Warren Commission, that Bugliosi praises have escaped punishment. Bugliosi writes as if all the basic facts surrounding the assassination are, due to his book in the Warren Report, well-established and indubitable. Incredibly, however, nearly a half century after the murder, that some say recalibrated modern America, many material issues of fact remain unresolved. Alex, question. Who wrote that specific quote? That was University of Georgia law professor Donald E. Wilkes Jr., God rest his soul. E. Wilkes Jr. I'm gonna, yeah. I need to know what he looks like. His Hasquipedalian whim wham. He looks like Cormac McCarthy. Is what he looks like in my in my mind. I haven't. He looked at absolutely him. does look like a dude who would use every single one of those words. I don't know what is. I don't know what he actually looks like, but in my mind, I'm just imagining a picture of Cormac McCarthy. It works. Another guy who can rest. God rest his soul. All right. So now that we've heard from both sides. We got our wild freewheeling history uh, that's written by the winners fucking Oliver Stone jam session going on on one side. And we have a bitter fact-based toxic rebuttal on the other side. And we're going to go through the timeline this new movie presents, tie it in with the events of the 1991 JFK movie, and maybe get some sort of feeling about the notion of a CIA conspiracy in the process. Okay? And perhaps this tug of war between truth and gut feeling is precisely the point. In fact, here's a quote to that effect from Oliver Stone himself for Jesse to read. So this is Jesse doing his best, Ollie Stone. Ollie Stone. I know. That's what they call him, right? I don't remember what Oliver Stone sound like, I'll be honest. That's okay. I believe the Warren Commission report <laughs> is a great myth. <laughs> Perfect. And in order to fight a myth, 
Maybe you have to create another one, a countermyth. I wanted to use Garrison as a vehicle for a larger perspective, a metaphoric protagonist who would stand in for about a dozen researchers. Filmmakers make myths. D.W. Griffith did it in Birth of a Nation. In Reds, Warren Beatty probably made John Reed look better than he was, but remain true to the spiritual truth of Reed's life. I knew this would make Garrison somewhat better than he was, and, in that sense, we'd be making him more of a hero. I knew I would catch a lot of flack for that, but I figured it was worth it to communicate (laughs) some truth in an area that had been steeped in lies for nearly 30 years. That was like the soul of Oliver Stone speaking. He sounds like Josh Brolin, but that was his soul. Uh, He's also referred to the film as, quote, a fragmentation of reality, uh, which I think is a perfect way of thinking about it in contrast to maybe confusing it with anything resembling the truth. Uh, But uh, it's true. He never goes far enough in explaining to his audience just how much inventing and conflating he does in this movie. And don't worry, we'll hit a lot of the major things wrong with it before we're done. But unless he's talking in bad faith, in the end, me and him mostly just have the same goal, which is to make you think about something that might not be as settled history as we think it is. That's it. That's all I want you to do. Don't take it too serious. Uh, And as we uh, go through, also, don't just think about the larger idea of whether or not an entity within the government could assassinate the president and get away with it, but also the smaller boots-on-the-ground story that the movie tells, and which I touched on briefly in episode 160, featuring Kevin Costner as the real-life day of New Orleans in 1966, Jim Garrison, who we just talked about, who also just so happened to be cast in the movie uh, as an overly sinister cameo version of Justice Earl Warren himself, which I thought is like the weirdest thing. Like That's he wild. cast the real Jim Garrison in that movie as Earl Warren, which I feel like is like a roast in some way. I don't know. I don't know. It's wild. That's weird. That's for sure. He was like, he's not. He's not in charge. It's like. It's like if you think about it from like a filmmaker's perspective, it's like Warren wrote the truth, but now we're you like now we're following like Garrison's Warren report. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like yeah. a weird well, look. If, you know, if the government did kill JFK, how, you know, there's like a, like a year at least worth of failed attempts at assassinating him. And I'm very curious how often they got distracted by their own LSD 100%. or any other thing that caused them to wander off until eventually they just got it right. Finally. Yeah, I don't know. I, uh, a lot of brothels were probably created. A lot of sex was probably being had. I don't know why it has anything to do with killing JFK, but they convinced themselves that it did. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I don't know. Like. I'm like trying to think about like what I really think happened. And it's so it's every time that I read something, basically my mind changes. It's so crazy. Uh, basically Garrison started to, yeah, yeah, basically it's just, yeah, I know. I I have my theory. I think we talked about it though. Like I think we talked about this last episode. I think, I think, uh, what's his face hit him. I don't necessarily know if the shot killed him. Yeah. Oswald definitely hit him with a bullet, maybe two, whatever. But I think in a panic, Maybe there was an accidental fucking shot fired by one of his by one of his dudes because the night before it was well known. You think one of the Secret Service guys shot him by accident? Well, yeah. yeah, because the night before the Secret Service had all been trashed and like tired and they were like not really all there for for that day because yeah. they were all like getting drunk the night before for whatever reason. Well, I'll guarantee you that we'll talk more about that. That's my next. Uh... Mm-hmm. I know that's a it's a it's a theory out there. I'm, I'm, I think you don't believe the grassy knoll or the 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 no, magic no. bullet. Dude, the magic bullet, dude, that or, just means wanted. Could, 
That just means wanted is real, and I need to start learning to curve bullets. Well, you just have to swing your arms wildly while you shoot. That's what I it know. Works. I've seen that movie, and I like. Yeah. It. <laughs> What's isn't that the one with that dude that's called like the shit or something like that? Uh, I don't know. Whatever. It, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, JFK the movie, really basically. Doesn't. Yeah, JFK uh, the movie. J- Garrison started to look into the JFK assassination because on the day that it went down, an ex-FBI agent slash alleged black ops lifer in New Orleans called Guy Bannister pistol whipped his friend, who was this strung out guy called Jack Martin, over missing files or a phone bill or asking the wrong question at the wrong time or something. And Martin was so pissed off about getting pistol whipped that he had to get back at the dude. And he did that by ratting Guy Bannister out, saying that he'd seen him doing stuff off the books for the government with this dude, David Ferry, who thinks he might have been connected to the assassination. He says Ferry knew Oswald from when they were serving in the New Orleans Civil Air Patrol together and that he drove to Dallas from New Orleans the night of the November 21st and that, quote, he was supposed to have been the getaway pilot in the assassination, end quote. That's what that's who David Ferry supposedly is. Uh, This led all the way up the ladder to a businessman in town called Clay Shaw being arrested and taken to trial three years later, even though he was acquitted after only an hour or so of deliberation. Uh, And during the trial, Garrison actually subpoenaed the Subruder film uh, from Life magazine, who owned it at the time. And this ended up being the first time a lot of people got to see the Subruder film, which was on the biggest screen that they ever watch movies on in a movie theater surrounded by their families. Pretty fucking crazy. Uh, But anyway, and they don't shy away from it either. They fucking show it. Uh, But anyway, uh, in the years leading up to the trial, Garrison kicked off a huge investigation that uncovered tons of crazy witnesses and evidence of FBI and CIA intervention and mafia connections. Uh, But without getting too far into the weeds now, let's just sink into the history of America with of JFK's uh, administration, which at first is pretty cut and dry since it's all fairly verifiable global events. Then we'll get deeper and deeper as we go. So basically, we're going all the way back to 1955 to start off. The Vietnam War kicks off between the allegedly North. uh, It's allegedly a war between North and South Vietnam, which in reality functioned as sort of a proxy battle between the Cold War powers of Soviets and Chinese uh, who supported the North and uh, United States and their allies who supported the South. Uh, It was an extremely complex political situation involving factions in both countries fighting against each other uh, until eventually the United States was dragged into direct involvement that lasted all the way until 1973. That's a pretty long fucking conflict. However, during the era of Kennedy's administration, which began in 1961, which was already six years into the war, though we had not yet escalated to participating in the ground war ourselves, uh, the dominoes were already falling Americans felt the threat of communism at the gates, and though we started with only around a thousand advisors in the country in 1959, uh, by the time of the Kennedy assassination in 1964, I'm sorry, in 1963, uh, we had already increased that amount by over 20 times. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is interesting too because this does have a very light crossover with MK Ultra in that. Um, we're now, you know, the, the government information machine, the CIA, what was the OSS prior now exists and they're hunting for a new enemy. They want somebody to be their enemy so they can, can do more shit, make more re- things to do. They, they want a reason to exist. And in their minds, I think, especially at this time, they're still like heroes in their own mind, you know, protecting America from threats that are happening. Yeah. So the, the going again, when again, uh, Kennedy 
was directly going against these people at the time. And these people had already seeped their fucking claws and tentacles into the government to a point where it was it acts on its own and it still very much probably does. Yeah, that's pretty much uh like the vibe today. Yeah. The OSS goes to MK Ultra, they eventually become the CIA and now we move into the 60s with with Kennedy and they're trying to do their thing and uh, yeah, it it's uh, it's all tied together. It's true. Uh at the same time, uh in Cuba, 1959, same time as Vietnam, in Cuba 1959, uh, after the US government withdrew military support from General Batista, Cuban revolutionary Fidel Castro quickly made his way to Havana, gained control of the country, slowly became a very scary figure for the United States as they realized how hard he would be to control and how aligned with global communist interests he might turn out to be. <clears throat> so that's already a big problem for us <clears throat> in terms of the Cold War. Uh, in June of that year, when Castro starts to put his systematic land reform laws into effect, uh, which is like him nationalizing like private businesses in Cuba, like American sugar plantations and stuff like that. It cuts into the profits of American big business and in the sense of like big clubs and entertainment areas. Also, organized crime interests uh, in America were being affected by this uh, systematic land reform laws that uh, Castro was doing. And pretty soon, some very rich people are petitioning for the White House to oust him from leadership altogether. Um, at the time, Dwight Eisenhower was still president. And in response, he signs off on something called a program of covert action against the Castro regime, uh, literally the only piece of paperwork, paperwork issue, issued during the whole project uh, that he signed, which is so freaking crazy to me. Everything else was like kind of off the books, which allowed the CIA to create a program staffed largely by Cuban exiles to work against the political influence of Castro and his regime through various lines of attacks, such as propaganda dissemination, an intelligence, an intelligence gathering network of, within Cuba itself, and even a small paramilitary force that would secretly enter the country and train and lead anti-Castro resistance groups. And it was allowed to spend millions of 1960s dollars on all of this in total secrecy, isolated from other parts of the government in order to maintain plausible deniability about the actions of this group just in case things ever happen to go south. Uh, this was the time when they were trying things like we heard about in the uh, Dirty Tricks Department book that we went over, uh, like giving Castro a box of exploding cigars or lining his shoes with uh, thallium salts to make his beard fall out. <laughs> the, the beard was the source of his powers! To like, to, like, discredit him, right? Yeah, no, it was to remove his, like, manliness. He was getting a lot of power from, like, appearing on TV and giving speeches. So, you know, it's like making him look foolish was like a plan. Uh, but the CIA also spent a bunch of money uh, funneled through legit-seeming business fronts to buy a bunch of real estate all over America and South America for various reasons pertaining to this operations, safe houses, operations bases, all kinds of things. They set up a main base of operations in Miami by the end of May. This went on for months until Kennedy won the election and he was sworn in in January of 1961. Uh, however... At the same time, if we rewind the clock back again to 1960 and head over to Africa, where the Republic of the Congo had just won its independence from Belgian colonial rule at the Congolese Roundtable Conference in Brussels in January of 1960, largely thanks to the political leadership of Congolese national movement leader Patrice Lumumba, uh, with the independence date set for June 30th of that year, just six months later, uh, with elections to be held in late May. That's how they were going to do it. Uh, However, just before that was going to happen, the Congo crisis broke out thanks to a mutiny within the Congolese army. And though Lumumba came to us for assistance at the time, Belgium and France and the rest of Europe, who are our allies, had us convinced that these guys were like anti-white communists. 
uh, most people were. So when they turned to the Soviets for help instead, the deal was sealed, and we were like out on Lumumba. The government in Congo was actually split in a deadlock between Lumumba and this newly elected Congolese president they had elections for, uh, Joseph Kasavubu. So that's like an impasse, like actually deadlocked, uh, because Lumumba was like this hero. And this was very annoying to both President Eisenhower and his head of the CIA, Alan Dulles, uh, because right in the middle of an NSC, we know this because right in the middle of an NSC meeting, National Security Council meeting, Eisenhower, quote, just blurted out to everybody in order to kill, not to anybody in particular, but blurted out to everybody assembled there to kill Lumumba. Because they wanted this regime change to happen, and Lumumba was like stuck in their craw because, kind of because I feel like maybe he was a little, they were a little bit embarrassed that they didn't help him in the first place. Like, I don't know, but it's like, you know, it was like a catch-22. They were in like a political, you know, not a win-win, like a lose-lose. Right. Uh, seeing no other option and a chance for his own uncontested leadership of the area. Uh, basically, what ended up happening was that Lumumba's chief military aide, uh, Joseph Desiree Mobutu, uh, with the support of the U.S. and Belgium, deposed Lumumba in late 1960 and installed his own government in his place. Uh, so that basically Lumumba was, Lumumba's like military guy was like, fuck this. I'm just going to take it over. You guys are both out. I'm Mobutu now. And Mobutu, if you know, is Mobutu, right? That's like a big, he's like a, he was, he was a dictator for a while over there. Uh, meanwhile, Kennedy is elected in November gets into the White House and steps right into the middle of this when UN Secretary General Dag Hammarskjöld calls him to let him know Lumumba's been imprisoned and that he should intercede, which Kennedy tries to do since he had no idea any kill order on Lumumba had ever been given by Eisenhower and wants to distance the United States from such like brutal, bloody, Western-centric policy decisions. Uh, But in January of 1961, just 48 hours before Kennedy is sworn into office, allegedly under advisement from Dulles's CIA and directly in the face of Kennedy's wishes, Lumumba is handed over to his enemies and shot in the head and thrown in a shallow grave, and Kennedy doesn't even find out for a month until Adelaide Stevenson tells him about it, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's wild. So if anything, this intensifies Kennedy's resolve to help win the Congo their independence. And he decides to back uh, the Secretary General of the UN, Hammarskjöld, in his efforts to maintain unity and broker some kind of peace treaty between the two sides, kind of because he feels beholden to it now, because he kind of, he sees, he takes, he feels responsible for Lumumba, and he's kind of, I would say, probably pissed off about it. Uh, So now, uh, as we enter 1961 proper with Kennedy in the White House, oddly, this is probably the most important year to this theory of the Kennedy assassination, even though it's two years before the assassination took place. We have a communist proxy war activity uh, thing going on on three separate fronts, a dissenting and concerningly autocratic CIA head in Dulles. And the worst part uh, for Kennedy is that he's stepping in right before a bunch of things happen that he doesn't really want to happen and are really starting to happen. Like he's just he jumps into like some real shit, like probably the most like notorious shit that America was in for like. 20 or 30 years after this. If you want to learn about Dulles and how his rise, go listen to the MK Ultra series. That's a that's a huge portion of that four-parter is Dulles's rise. He's like a villain from Chiluminati coming back in the Endgame movie. Yeah, no, this is all going to culminate to Endgame, which is our own nuclear annihilation. Yeah, just in real life, yeah. Cool. Yeah, right. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, jumping back over to Cuba, though, Eisenhower's anti-Castro Cuba project has escalated into a total U.S. embargo of the island at this point. Uh... And ever since Castro reached out to the Soviets for help, it also included a complete severing of all diplomatic relations. 
the Cuban Democratic Revolutionary Front, uh, which is made up of exiled anti-Castro Cubans, evolved into the CIA-funded 1,400-man, five infantry battalion and one paratrooper battalion uh, brigade known as Brigade 2506, which also included a training team made of 60 members of the Alabama Air National Guard who taught them how to fight while they were posted in Guatemala. Uh, so that was going on. They were, America was training anti-Castro Cubans to fight Castro in Guatemala. That really happened. Sounds like Metal Gear Solid, but it's true. As JFK waded into this Eisenhower-era battle plan, which culminated into a planned, large-scale U.S.-supported military invasion of, on Cuban soil in April of 1961, he was already apprehensive and dragging his feet about it, as again, the move ran directly counter to where he wanted to be with regard to U.S. foreign policy, especially the way he wanted to deal with the Soviet Union and their allies going forward, because he thought the only thing that's going to come from like aggression, aggression, aggression is that the world's going to blow up, right? And we yep. got pretty close. We'll talk about that in a, a minute. times. Yeah. Still pretty close right now, actually. Yeah. I, I don't really need to get into the specifics of the failed Bay of Pigs invasion as it's a mm-hmm. pretty notorious moment in history. And there's certainly much better sources out there for like a comprehensive look at it than this one. Uh, but on April 15th, 1961, the CIA sent eight bombers uh, to attack Cuban airfields. They were flown by ex-Cubans. Uh, grounding the enemy air cover. Uh, and then on April 17th, it's all, like I said, it's like this weird thing where they didn't send American planes, but they like were American planes so that they could like plausibly deny it if they needed to. But they took out a bunch of the Cuban planes. And then on April 17th, two days later, Brigade 2506 launched from South American ports to land in the Bay of Pigs at Playa Giron. Uh, almost from jump, Castro takes over the response, reacted very aggressively. And very quickly, uh, Brigade 2506 started to lose their advantage. Kennedy, who already had one foot out the door on the plan, was not willing to get directly involved any further, decides, as he sees that the thing is not going to work out in his favor, decides to withhold any further air support, which leaves 2506 out there on the beach with their asses in the wind, uh, with a force of like a numbers below what the CIA analysts deem necessary for a successful operation. And by the 20th, they're completely defeated and captured and it forces and a bunch of them are killed and it forces Kennedy to negotiate for the 1113 surviving prisoners taken to the tune of 53 million dollars in food and medicine so egg on everybody's face this uh not only left Kennedy pissed and embarrassed but also Dulles was pissed because now everybody's blaming the CIA for the blunder to the point that he even wrote an article for Harper's Dulles did uh about this called my answer to the bay of pigs But out of a sense of duty, uh, he decided at the last moment never to publish it, even though the final draft was fully complete and now lies filed in the Alan W. Dulles papers at Princeton in New Jersey. I haven't been able to access the papers, uh, but there's a rather thorough article about them in the fall 1984 issue of uh, Diplomatic History by U.S. Foreign Relations Officer and Foreign Policy Specialist Lucien S. Vandenbroek. Uh, which Mathis is going to read for us right now. I'm going to put a little quote there for you in the quote box, Bing. According to this draft, then, it is simply untrue that the Cuban venture failed because the intelligence advisor misled Kennedy into approving an ill-conceived plan. Instead, the real cause of the disaster was the White House's lack of determination to succeed, (laughs) fearing some unpleasant political (laughs) repercussion from the invasion. (laughs) Dulles explains, yeah, oh, we, oh, yeah, okay. You know what? You're right, Dulles. It probably wasn't good. Very smart. The president consistently strove to reduce the visibility of the undertaking. 
Therefore, rather than authorize whatever effort was required to succeed, Kennedy whittled away the scale of military operations in the end, fatally weakening an otherwise sound plan. Yeah, and... Ah, Dulles. Yeah. Ever the shit eater. And according to the Monday, April 22nd, 1966 edition of the New York Times, uh, which was like a, like a, you know, like a think piece that they published a couple years after the fact on the history of the CIA's worst moments and argued about whether we even need a CIA in the first place, the bad vibes went both ways. Uh, and here's a quote uh, from, uh, from, from that for Jesse to read right now. I'm going to put that in the chat for you. And President Kennedy, as the enormity of the Bay of Pigs disaster came home to him, said to one of his highest officials of his administration that he wanted to splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the winds. Of course, he didn't do that and really just kind of tighten their leash a little bit. But whether anyone knew it or not, Dulles's days were numbered. Uh, but then we have this little nugget of insanity that pops up when the very next day after the Bay of Pigs defeat, literally the very next day, in the midst of the Algerian War, four retired French army generals attempted a failed coup d'etat against then-current French President Charles de Gaulle to keep French and, by extension, Western interests from withdrawing from French Algeria. Right? Uh, this failure was largely attributed to a speech uh, de Gaulle gave dressed in his old World War II outfit uh, that went out on both television and radio and supposedly reached enough soldiers that the coup d'etat just, like, lost support. Like, it was called, like, the Transistor Rebellion or something like that. I forget what it was called, but it was, like, he got, he was, like, so out there with his speech and, like, so inspiring, and it reached so many people with this new technology that it actually, like, motivated the army to turn on the generals. Uh, But interestingly, uh, however, just as the generals had made their big push in Algeria, because this was, uh, it took a couple days for this to go down, uh, there was an article in the Italian newspaper Il Paese, I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, was already reporting that, quote, it's not by chance that some people in Paris are accusing the American Secret Service headed by Alan Dulles of having participated in the plot of the four ultra generals. That's actually a quote from the newspaper that week. And by the next day, a Russian broadsheet called Pravda was already adding NATO and the Pentagon and the CIA into the mix, and that the rumor had come straight from the Elysee Pal- uh, Palace, which is the, like the French White House, basically. Um, and then this story gets picked up by the French paper Le Monde, which ran a front page story about the CIA going rogue against Kennedy's wishes. And it got so wild and out of hand with the reaction that the White House literally had to call and reassure de Gaulle that it wasn't true. You know, they, they had to be like, dude, I don't know where they're getting this from. Oh, well, what year was the um, uh, the generals in France? This? Yeah, yeah. What were, I mean, like when they tried to overthrow de Gaulle, what year was that? That was nine. That was literally days. It was like the next day after the Bay of Pigs, 19, April 1961. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. I was trying to figure out what yeah. its relation to the movie Battle of Algiers was, but I think that's later in the 60s. So it's not 61 for sure. I'm not super familiar with the Algerian war. I just know that this, this event happens like a failed coup in the midst. The movie battle of Algiers is like a very famous black and white film. It is what literally caused like massive consternation in France about the treatment of Algerians and stuff. But I think it came out in either 67 or 66 or 68, something like that. So it's not related at all. So I just was curious. That's all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the war last, I think it could be the same war. Um, but it was, uh, basically like the, the white house had to call de Gaulle, be like, this was not us. I don't know where you, where, where that came from. Uh, but it became fairly clear later that that first paper, the Italian one, Il Paese, 
Uh, it was actually a common source for Soviet-planted disinformation stories, and this well, was probably course. one of those stories. Uh, according to a November 22nd, 2021 article from Rolling Stone, same day as the new Oliver Stone documentary came out, uh, an article from Rolling Stone called This is Where Oliver Stone Got His Loony JFK Conspiracies From, uh, just like the CIA, the KGB would pay off certain editors and journalists and wage mental warfare for the Kremlin in the pages of newspapers and magazines all over the world. And they did, they did this so often and so like intentionally that there was actually like Department D, like a directorate that was specifically made to undermine United States influence on the world stage in the media. So I only mention this now in so much detail because six years later in 1967... A story from the same paper fingered Clay Shaw as a CIA money launderer for operations in Rome. That story gets picked up by the National Guardian, which is like a new left paper in New York on March 18th, 1967. Jim Garrison sees this, and that's probably the thing that set him on Clay Shaw in the first place, uh, which eventually ended up creating Oliver Stone's JFK movie 25 years later is like one single piece of misinformation from the KGB in a fucking Italian newspaper, which is just nuts. As much as we're saying Dulles did all this like insidious shit, he actually did not try to assassinate Charles de Gaulle, probably. And a lot of places, including his Wikipedia article, say that he did, which is to this day, which is wild. Uh, however, that doesn't mean uh, that a few months later, Dulles did not help assassinate the sitting Secretary General of the United Nations, uh, our old pal Dag Hammarskjöld, uh, from the Lumumba Affair, who took Kennedy's side in the interest of peace, which, if you remember, is still happening right now at pretty much the exact same time as all the rest of this is on the other side of the world, which, you yep. know, when they say the president's hair goes gray really fast, this is why. Yeah, they, they, there's a lot happening. Yeah. September 8th, 1961, Hammarskjöld was on a mission from the Congo to British-controlled northern Rhodesia, which I think becomes Zambia at some point, uh, to broker a peace treaty. He's on, his, he's on this sort of mission to broker peace uh, when his Douglas DC-6B Albertina crashed on approach to the Indola airfield, killing 15, including the secretary general. Though strangely, the first UN official to identify his body claimed he had a bullet hole in his head, and many witnesses saw the plane go down in flames as if it had been brought down by weapons on the ground. So there had always been rumors, even from the beginning, uh, and it's not exactly clear how much Kennedy may have been aware of it or not, uh, but according to a 2016, I don't think that he would have been in favor of killing this man. Let me just put it that way. He was working with him directly to, like, broker peace at this time. So I don't think he wanted this to happen. Uh, but according to a 2016 article on foreignpolicy.com by Colum Lynch in 1998, the South African national intelligence agency produced documents accidentally discovered during the investigation of a totally different political assassination, which was against Chris Haney of the South African communist party, um, which detailed something called operation Celeste with the quote, troublesome hammer skilled, as the target in a mission involving cooperation from British intelligence, MI5, and Dulles' CIA to place six pounds of TNT in the wheel well of the plane, as well as several backup plans. And suspiciously, it was also confirmed that the CIA was listening in on all air traffic, uh, like, radio chatter in the area that night. Confirmed. I mean, um, that doesn't surprise me at all. 
especially with Dulles in charge. Yeah. And then also in October of 2017, a new UN mandated report had this to say about the incident, which seems to actually lend some credence to the idea of rogue CIA hits, CIA hits being carried out without the president's knowledge. Uh, and Mathis is going to read that for us Let's do it. right now. There is a significant amount of evidence from eyewitnesses that they observed more than one aircraft in the air, that the other aircraft may have been a jet, that SEBDY was on fire before it crashed, and or that SEBDY was fired upon or otherwise actively engaged by another aircraft. It appears plausible that an external attack or threat may have been a cause of the crash, whether by way of a direct attack causing SEBDY to crash or by causing a, a momentary distraction of the pilots. Such a distraction need only have taken away the pilot's attention for a matter of seconds at the critical point at which they were in their descent to have been potentially fatal. Yeah. And can you and can you imagine having to deal with all this shit while also having to figure out the fucking Vietnam War where you're also constantly and then and then having to go like meet aliens to sign like decrees between the two of like your people. Yeah, we'll get we'll get into that. We'll get into that in, in a later episode, maybe. <laughs> uh, but you're also being pressured to send in troops. You're being pressured to get more involved than you want, but you kind of have to do that now because you're already in there because of something that wasn't your choice. So it's all just like happening, and you're the president, and it's 1960, and it sucks. And honestly. I guess now is as good enough of a time as any to ask the question, right? Like, what do you boys think? Like, if you're Kennedy, do you mm -hmm. hate the CIA right now? And if you're the CIA right now, do you hate Kennedy? Oh, they hated Kennedy. Oh, I, of course, the CIA hated Like, if it's you, like, do, are you like, are you seeing this from both sides? Do you feel like one of these guys is the clear idiot here? Like, I don't know. Well, I mean... I, I mean, I can see that the CIA hated Kennedy, but it doesn't mean that they were right in it. You know, like they Kennedy was right in trying to push back and control something that was clearly way out of control. And right. they didn't like it. It's like Kennedy, yeah. like, yeah, like, I don't know. I always think about Kennedy as like the Mandela effect moment for this universe where like we could have ended up with what a could have been we could have ended up with a much more like harmonious government that was kind of like low key and kind of chill in the way that we do diplomacy and kind of been not so aggressive but there was you couldn't have been that way at the time though right because nah, nuclear proliferation is already happening yeah it wasn't just you know late. vietnam it was exactly you know, cuba and then in the north sea subs almost blowing each other up and like right. multiple almost missile launches exactly constant like this is the time period people were like yo let's hide under desks because we could be nuked and like it was yep. I, I can understand why because kennedy was he had a different attitude when it came to American domestic policy. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I think that pissed off a lot of people, but oh, yeah. they all had to work together in dealing with overseas threats. And the thing is, is again, going back to what you were saying about the Bay of Pigs and whatever, it, he had to think about domestic stuff because he's still president and yeah. he's trying to like, he has to make the American people happy. Yeah. Yeah, you can't like launch a full scale crazy invasion on Cuba. It, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. They're already at war. The American public wouldn't have it. So he had to, you know, kind of figure out something. And clearly, he chose poorly. Right? It wasn't a good plan. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like people today on Twitter. But he but he was limited. It's people. It's people today on Twitter, like criticizing Biden. They're like, why doesn't he just throw all the like senators that are like insurrectionists in jail? Why doesn't he just do that? And it's like, you can't just, like, start from, like, a single piece of information and then, like, 
act in a vacuum as if none of the other systems and realities that are happening and all these plates that you're spinning at once are all happening. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's like part of the reason presidents that are good still face criticism all the time is because you can't satisfy everybody every moment and, and, and people that you're trying to satisfy don't have the knowledge that you have as the leader uh, of all the different problems happening at once, you know, you, and that's kind of why I did the episode this way is because it kind of structures it in that way where you kind of have to think of it from his point of view. Yeah. Just like, let it play out as like, okay, you're Kennedy and you want to get rid of Castro. Okay. What are our options? Well, I say we invade like, okay, so you're invading an ally of Russia and you're only escalating the war further. We're already involved right. in one war. Now we're sending our troops into a small island nation that is allied with a because much- Because the CIA is like out for blood, yeah. There's absolutely no way that would fly. And in particular, I mean, the, the, the cold, again, MKUltra to here, there was the cold war in between. They have not stopped- treating and thinking uh, Russia as an enemy to the point where like they're trying to cut his, their balls off at any given opportunity you know, no matter the global politics involved I mean because to the CIA and to a lot of us Russia they see us as an enemy we are we are again it comes down to not just yeah. government but also like models for for business and life and like it is I always think about that it's crazy that we are so diametrically opposed that you know, it, it is consistent. Even when communism fell, it was they didn't. Well, now we're part of the the capitalist world and we're democracy. Like, no, that's Russia's just never been. They've had strong men run the show mm-hmm. forever. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know, man. I wish it could change. Uh, yeah. Everybody's country has their own version of propagandizing as well. Like it's built into culture a little bit. I mean, America is very similar. We're all we're all like the mega consumer, right? Our like founding we, fathers our are literally shit. deities here. Drunk. Like, yeah. Let's not yeah, pretend. The deities, they they oh, 100%. They're not seen as human at all. Not for the reality of they came up with a government idea while they're drunk at a bar somewhere. Like, right. I've about been that. to they're, that bar. Yeah. I've sat in the table where Ben Franklin sat. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's not a it's not a heavenly. Yeah, it's not a heavenly palace. It's just a it's just a pub. This is, I know this sounds weird, but if, if it goes into the troop, uh, not uh, the Jersey Devil episode. And that'll that'll humanize Franklin for you real fucking quick. That'll humanize Franklin for you. <laughs> the troll, he's a magnificent troll. I, I always wonder what people think too, like from the outside, like uh, in countries that aren't uh, the United States and Russia and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I, I, especially like the people that are like in Eastern Europe who kind of like maybe have a foot in both cultures a little bit more. Like, I'm very interested what you think. Like. I'm American. I have one way that I think about the CIA and, you know, I have a different opinion than a lot of Americans about the CIA. And then I have an opinion of the KGB, right? And I know that the KGB are like bad dudes. You know what I mean? Like, I know that's what they want you to think about them too. And I know that they don't try not to be that. But I also know as a reader of books that the CIA is very much the same beast as the mm-hmm. as the KGB and I always wonder what who people see as the scarier one. I have a feeling it's us. I have a I have a I have a suspicion that people with no with no with no uh skin in the game think we're the we're the baddies. I feel like that might be true but not because of the realities of our world, but America is good at producing entertainment and producing like a message that can go across the world and CIA yeah. being this overpowerful like 
monster machine is something that they were very good at making sure everybody believed, even when it wasn't quite that yet. Well, let's put it this way. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that think we're the baddies. I, and I, 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 and it, it's worth, and it's worth keeping in mind. It's worth keeping in mind. America has done heinous shit. Yeah. Like we've cashed in on all the goodwill we earned from WW2. But the thing is, is we're just, we're an empire, right? We're the empire with the biggest dick in the most military. And through the Ukraine, like proxy war that we're having with, you know, Russia, essentially, we're able to be like, look at all of our toys. And by the way, these are last generation toys. And just like we just get to that's why we are as safe as we are, because we fucking we flex so hard. Nothing can come at us right now. Rome was very similar. They eventually fell, though. But also, I think the the reason why people dislike us is we use that. Uh, might indiscriminately sometimes yes. where you know there's not many nations that can fly a drone halfway across the world and target Get away a with person it. individually yeah. like you know that's it's hard to be like they're the good guys you know yeah. that's how we've been since we dropped the nuke like once we had nuclear the nuclear bomb and we bombed the first time even without giving them enough warning we're the only people to ever use one 100 percent. we were we had the opportunity to basically take the the nuclear weapon that we have and use it as more of a soft power, like not drop it. Use it as just like, oh, let's just not do this shit. Let's like not give it. Instead, Truman, they decided yeah. fear was the right way to go. And so not only did they, when they bombed Hiroshima, it was like, what, 48 hours, under 72 hours later, they fucking hit Nagasaki because they, at, between then, they all got around the table and were like, what do we nuke next? What do we nuke next? And they didn't even fucking tell the president. Hey, come on, man. No spoilers. No spoilers for Oppenheimer. Come on. That's man. just history. That's just yeah, history. No, no, come man. on, come on, come on. No spoilers. Come on, come on, come on. I didn't even see Oppenheimer. Come on, yet. come on. That's come just on. straight no up history. Oh, no, no, but on. that's the thing is like they would rather be like, look what we can do. Boom, we'll do it again. And we can do it as many fucking times as we need to put you under heel. Right. And that's the route we took from that moment. Yeah. So regardless of what anybody thinks, opinions of Dulles at this time were lowered on all fronts. He was viewed as somebody who messed up big a few times and he was made to resign on November 29th, 1961, just one day after being awarded the national security medal. And he was replaced by John McCone. Uh, now correct me if I'm wrong. Dulles still stayed within government and he moved somewhere else. Uh, he stayed within government. And then shortly uh, within a year, he got appointed to the, uh, Warren Commission, which is crazy. That's the thing. The man didn't really lose his power. He just kind of fell out of the limelight, but still had a lot of contacts. Well, he wasn't the boss of the CIA. And no, and we'll no, get no, into no. And Here's another quote, actually, from the New York Times uh, for Jesse to read about what happened next to the CIA right here. Following a rigorous inquiry into the agency's affairs, methods and problems, Kennedy did not splinter it after all and did not recommend congressional supervision. Instead, President Kennedy transferred the CIA to the Department of Defense under the close supervision and control of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which would also report on CIA CIA plans and operations to the president. So it's not that he didn't want the CIA. It's that he didn't want the CIA out of his control, pretty much. Uh, Because sure enough, one day later, a new Kennedy-era version of the Cuban project, now called Operation Mongoose, was officially authorized on November 30th, 1961, literally the day after Dulles was dismissed. Uh, This unleashed a stream of small, annoying acts of terrorism, espionage, and weaponized propaganda against the Castro regime that carried on unabated for almost a full year with the eventual goal of discovering or provoking some sort of justifiable pretense for direct military intervention in Cuba by U.S. military forces. Uh, But this time with the whole Western world, like, 
with us like they like a way mm. that we 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 get to do it and everybody thinks we're doing something for the good of the world uh, some of the plans for this early in 1962 included operation bingo which was a false flag attack on u.s facilities at guantanamo bay uh operation dirty trick which maybe was where the name of that book came from i don't know operation dirty trick where we blamed communists and cuba if john glenn's mercury flight accidentally ended up crashing and just saying oh the communists did this uh and perhaps most famously uh something called operation northwoods in which cia operatives would stage and commit terrorist acts against both military and civilian targets including on american soil and then blame them on the cuban government this is why um people believe crazy maga shit and qanon yeah this stuff right here yeah Following the proposal of Operation Northwoods, Kennedy actually removed General Lemnitzer as his chairman of the Joint Chief Staffs because he was so, like, wilded out by that. And as a result, Kennedy started to lose popularity in the military at this time, big time, uh, with the general thinking being that he was being soft on Cuba now, uh, though he continued Operation Mongoose activities on Cuban soil unabated for months. Literally, Castro was, like, asking him to stop, and he was like, no, I'm not going to stop. Uh, <laughs> Until uh, fall of that year, when an increased Soviet presence uh, on the island started to put him off, especially because it wasn't clear at first what they were doing there, until, of course, October 14th, 1962, when a U-2 spy plane finds that Soviet nuclear sites have been built in Cuba, likely as a direct threat to United States operations in the regions and as sort of like a check for political action by the United States. It was blasting beautiful day as it was flying across. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. No? He was like, it's already on your phone. <laughs> All right. Uh, this kicked off something. Beautiful day. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. This kicked off something called the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, I've heard about this. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, that was fake news, dude. JFK Jr. is coming back tomorrow, and he'll tell you how much fake news it was. The closest we've been to global nuclear war since the bomb was created was the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, and yeah. since. And since. That we know of. I don't, I don't have it here in front of me right now, but the story goes that, like, we dropped depth <clears throat> charges on a submarine not knowing that that submarine had a nuke on board. And oh, the submarine had to come out of the water uh, because they were running out of air. And, like... One guy who, like, didn't lose his cool is the only reason why we didn't, like, go to nuclear war. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, that came out, like, years later. Anyway, uh, I don't want to think about that too much. Kennedy did not want to attack the U.S. Uh, like, the National Security Council wanted him to just, like, not say anything, not do anything, and just, like, one night just, like, blow up all the nukes. Like, that's, that was, like, their plan. Uh, but Kennedy kind of saw that as, quote, Pearl Harbor in reverse. So about a week later, on October 22nd, he announced that there was going to be a naval quarantine around Cuba uh, and said that any Soviet ship in the area would be subject to search. One ship ended up being searched this whole time. And after an extremely tense two-week standoff with a lot of posturing and a lot of rejecting of proposals on both sides, uh, where people were literally going insane in the streets and going to sleep at night, wondering if the whole world was going to blow up while they were unconscious, um... Finally, on October 28th, 1962, Khrushchev agreed to dismantle the sites in Cuba, 
in exchange for the U.S. promising never to invade Cuba and to remove, and that, that was the public promise, and then privately also asked them to remove uh, some missile sites in, I think, Italy and Turkey uh, that were, like, close to Russia, right? And though, Kennedy, and though Kennedy's approval rating with the American people at this time was skyrocketing to, like, 77% or something like that, uh, his tendency to constantly seek diplomatic solutions to situations where we might have once used military might under other leaders was slowly fraying his relationship, not just with the military itself, but the entire industrial complex supporting it, whose money and profits are tied to producing weapons and equipment for war, uh, which started to become a real point of contention with regard to the Vietnam War, which, by the way, has still fully been happening this entire time. In 1961, again, going back to 1961 in the Vietnam War, Kennedy authorized the Strategic Hamlet Program in South Vietnam, which was rolled out early the following year in a bid to relocate many rural South Vietnamese into these kind of like shiny new communities, to ingratiate them to the central government a bit, isolate them from the communist insurgents a bit, kind of just do what Kennedy kind of saw that needed to happen, which is that... Also, can I just put this out there? We shouldn't be telling other countries what kind of government they should have, just saying. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's Kennedy or what. All this is wrong. Like I say... This is not our yeah. place to put governments in power that the people of the country do not want. We, we all agree. And I think that if Kennedy could have done this over, he probably wouldn't have even got involved at all. Right? But... Potentially. Yeah. I just yeah. want to put... That's, you know, it's just one of those things like, no matter what president takes the action, I, it's just... It's... it's my opinion, not something that we should ever be meddling. A hundred percent. We pulled out of Afghanistan. And they just went. They went back to the government they wanted. But the the, the like- biggest problem, though, is that, and and this goes back to the problems with Kennedy. That the biggest problem is that if you do nothing, you risk making the world a more dangerous place for Americans. And as yep. a president, your job is to protect America and its citizens. Sure. So by letting another country, that was literally the whole Cold War in a nutshell. Yeah. But every time we, our record of succeeding is. God awful. Oh no, we, we suck at it. We're terrible. Way more. Yeah. So we have a body We're of evidence much, that now we can at least say, hey, but, maybe this isn't the right way to yeah. do things. But we this, also have we also have evidence that if we don't interfere, it can bite us in the ass as well. A lot of the uh, sure. I mean, a lot of the past is us being. Uh, you know, there's a large period of American history where we were non. Like we didn't want to mess with the world. We were like, we are sure. isolationist. We're going to do our own thing. And the world went insane. So there's something where we. It's you're. I mean, look, it is a problem. It's a major problem. There's no clean answer either. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah no I'm answer. not a politician. It's just like, for me, it's like, okay, so how about, you know, why don't we like bolster our allies instead of trying to kind of constantly cut the balls off, like by, by invading illegally. Don't ignore them, but just don't go in there and forcibly replace their government. Watch them. Be careful. I think the way to consider this is that I don't think the U.S. really gave, gives two shits about what type of government South Vietnam has, right? That's not the... The, the, yeah, the problem is that it, it, it's all about Russia and China. Yep. No, it doesn't matter as long as they're with them. And so what we're, the reason that we're there is not because we want South Vietnam to have a democracy. They already had one. You know what I mean? It's just that the, 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 the communists there are allowing those interests to uh, expand. We'll get into that a little bit, too. Uh, yeah, like yeah, we'll right, literally right now, actually, because... because Basically, so this 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 program happened where they're trying to like isolate the like people in the central government who are like in rural areas from the communist insurgents. But that project slowly waned because the conflict itself between North and South Vietnam escalated. And by the time he uh, signs the National Security Memorandum authorizing the use of Agent 
orange and fo- on foliage and yeah. in combat. Kennedy's so. feeling trapped in a catch-22 uh, by the influence of communist powers in Southeast Asia as a whole. Um, because it's not just Vietnam, right? It's other countries too. Um, and here's two quotes from him at a press conference and later at a dinner, both on April 24th, 1963, that I got from President Kennedy, Profile of Power by Richard Reeves, and stitched together here for Mathis to read yeah. for us. And, and yeah, before I read that too, for those who don't know who, what Agent Orange is, uh, it's a heinous poison. It's a dioxinant that enters your body and immediately begins damaging or destroying vital organs, cells, your immune system, and your hormones. Never should have been uh, used. Never, ever. And Agent Orange was so <clears throat> was extremely deadly. And we sprayed 20 times more than the manufacturer ever recommended. Yeah. Just like good times. <laughs> Just to add to that, um, my dad was in Vietnam. And one of his major concerns for me growing up was he was like, yo, I'm terrified that that affected you in some way. So he got all sorts of like mm. tests and stuff done just to be sure when I was a kid. So like mm, that's why your hair is orange, I guess. That's probably what happened. Yeah, you are orange. You are yeah, quite you orange. Got yeah. Orange hair and you got humor. <laughs> you think it was the the six, the chemical combination yeah. for a Oh comedian. my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the joke. Give me a third testicle, but like, you yeah. know. Hey, lo- you know, ladies love that. That third testicle is jokerized. <laughs> yeah. Right, 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 right. Uh all right, here's this quote from Kennedy. If Lao fell into communist hands, it would, it would increase the danger along the northern borders of Thailand. It would put additional pressure on Cambodia and would put additional pressure on Vietnam, which in itself would put additional pressure on Malaya. Malaya? Which is Malaya? Yeah. So I do accept the view that there is an interrelationship in these countries, but we don't have a prayer of staying in Vietnam. Those people hate us. They are going to throw our asses out of there at any point but I can't give up that territory to the communists and get the American people to reelect me. And sure enough, he's kind of right. Uh, by August, as the South Vietnamese president Diem and his brother become more and more dictatory, uh, using like U.S. trained soldiers to like, take out like Buddhist protesters and shit like that, uh, and yet another U.S.-supported coup attempt was discussed with the goal of getting the president and his brother to step down and leave the country, Kennedy was beginning to agree with the anti-war sentiment that was rising back home in America. Uh, Defense Secretary McNamara and General Maxwell D. Taylor were sent in to try and get President Diem under control one last time. And when they returned with the message that not only was he unwilling to cooperate, but that their military forces were actually doing much worse than we first thought in winning back the countryside... Kennedy insisted a recommendation be added to their mission report, suggesting a withdrawal schedule saying they would pull out 1,000 troops by the end of the year, headed towards a complete withdrawal of all 16,000 by 1965. And even then, the National Security Council was calling it a, quote, strategic fantasy. So more, more headbutting between the military and Kennedy. Uh, But by then, the coup was already underway in Vietnam, and to Kennedy's horror, not only did the South Vietnamese generals overthrow the government, they also arrested and executed the president and his brother. Um, National Security Advisor McGeorge Bundy drafted a memo encouraging Kennedy to keep fighting communism in Vietnam with increased military and economic aid. But just before he left for Dallas, uh, speaking to one of Bundy's aides, Kennedy was quoted as saying, I want you to organize an in-depth study of every possible option we've got in Vietnam, including how to get out of there. We have to review this whole thing from the bottom to the top. Um, And that's as he's getting on a plane to fly to Dallas. Nobody knows exactly where Kennedy was at uh, exactly in his head or what he would have done as he left for Dallas with no decision being reached. 
But both McNamara and Lyndon Johnson have stated that Kennedy was planning to withdraw after the 1964 election. And what we know for sure is that four days after the assassination on November 26, 1963, now President Lyndon Johnson signed National Security Action Memo 273, which, according to Oliver Stone, Johnson constantly had his dick out all the goddamn time, by the way. He would literally be like have to like talk to have meetings with him in the bathroom with the door open. A man's love to show off his wang all the time. Johnson was one of the weirdest guys who's ever been president. And you, the more you read about him and his weird tape recordings and all the stuff that he did. Yep. He's such an interesting cat. Um, I don't totally hate him, but according to Oliver <laughs> Stone, uh, that, I do. that NSA memo uh, 273 not only reversed Kennedy's plan to withdraw 1,000 troops. Uh, but reaffirmed Surprise. our commitment to South Vietnam and U.S. involvement continued to escalate all the way uh, until Johnson deployed regular U.S. military forces in the region. Though in reality, just the same memo, it was really the, the, the actual memo, 273, was just the same memo that was drafted for Kennedy to sign on the 21st before he was killed with no changes. So who knows mm-hmm. if he would have actually signed it. Um, and regardless, today... Kennedy is widely considered to have left the Vietnam War pretty much the same or a little worse than he found it, which is not the best. Uh, So now I have another similar question for you guys. If you are Kennedy in November 1963, would you hate the military industrial complex and their designs on a full scale war? And if you're the U.S. military leaders, are you pissed at Kennedy for going soft on some conflicts that just recently you were trying to go hard let me ask you a question let me let me ask you i'm gonna i'm gonna push back let me ask you a question yeah has there been a president since that has spoken up against the the military industrial complex no it was eisenhower on his way out jfk made the first attempt and nobody paid attention to it like let's just be real that's what runs our country for the most part today is just the military industrial complex just makes all the calls go look at the military but go look at the budget Every year we Goes we have to approve a budget, and every year it grows, and every year's it, it's so much bigger than everything else. And no one, people will complain. They'll be like, "Oh, it's so big." No one will do anything about it. No one will touch it. I feel like that's a question we should ask because if, at least in this episode, the theory is the military industrial complex is what got him, <laughs> then I have to ask the question: Have we since seen anyone try? No, right? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, and then it goes, and just money all over the government is not this fucking Pentagon has like eighty billion unaccounted for in their audits every year, and it doesn't change how much they get. Yeah, <laughs> like it's nuts. It should. It's they nuts. Should cut it by eighty billion, but they didn't. So now that we have all that out of the way, I'd say that you probably have all the context that you need to understand the things that we're going to be talking about when we break down the movie. And the documentary, like, allegations more next week. You guys feeling pretty good about where you're at? You guys feel like... Yeah, the foundation is very, very set up again. We're back. This is a nice episode to come for people to come back into because you don't really need to have watched the other, listened to the other episodes because we started kind of right at the top again. Yeah, exactly. And now since so, we're yeah. caught back up literally on the timeline all the way back up to November 22nd, 1963 again. We're, we're back up and to the left. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than walk you all through it again nice. like I did in episodes again 139 158 159 and 160 i figured that instead of that i'm going to leave you with some absolutely optional homework and some even more optional extra credit but i promise that if you do them you will enjoy yourself firstly if you haven't already now is the time for you to go watch the movie jfk steal it if you can because fuck the movie studios trying to fuck over all the creative people that love making movies who work for them and just want to be paid yeah we absolutely stand with all those people striking by the way 
steal steal JFK, watch it, and try not to get brainwashed by it. Uh, I know Oliver Stone's real good at filmmaking, uh, and I really like watching this movie my, by myself because I already know more about the Kennedy assassination than this movie could possibly hope to know. That's what this podcast does to you, by the way. You, so you, lo- you learn more on a subject than you ever did in school. <laughs> But goddamn, as we will see next time, that movie is even less accurate than you think, probably. Awesome. Uh, and in fact, uh, here's a quote for Jesse to read from the film critic Aaron Aradias uh, at Texas Public Radio for the movie's 30th anniversary in 2021. Uh, it's a nice guide for the headspace that you should be in while you watch JFK. It's a long movie, too. Try and watch the director's cut if you can. It's almost four hours. There's no denying that Oliver Stone has made a terrific and convincing piece of propaganda entertainment. And that's why, in the end, JFK continues to haunt us. We are at a moment where half of the country is drowning in conspiracies, and the other half is trying to stay afloat by adhering to the facts. In JFK, the only thing that no one in the movie questions is that President John F. Kennedy was assassinated on November 22, 1963. The rest of the movie is comprised of alternative facts. Yep. And finally, I promise you some extra credit, so here you go. That's where Kellyanne Conway got that fucking statement. <laughs> if you need a refresher on the assassination itself, or you don't know that much about it, uh, go listen to our previous episodes for a nice overview of the events and conspiracy as a whole. But if you're already pretty familiar with it, and you'd like a nice, new, well-researched, and crisply edited take uh, that points directly to Oswald as the only person involved in the shooting, check out Let Me Know's video. It's going viral right now. He coincidentally posted it earlier this week on his YouTube channel. Uh, it's Let Me Know, L-E-M-M-I-N-O. It's called The Kennedy Assassination Inside the Book Depository, and it's almost 100 minutes of pure, repeat-watchable, non-trash journalism. It is very fucking good. Thank you for listening. Uh, Giuseppe La Rosa's latest adventure, The Mystery of the Tower Hotel, begins this week in the mini show to patreon.com slash pod. I love you. Don't forget about those clues I said at the beginning. And that's all for now, folks. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Welcome back to the Illuminati Podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by the... I don't know who they are. There's two. What? Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer. No. Neo and Trinity. No. I don't understand, and I probably never will. Let me just tell you right now that there's two... Kennedy and Claire Redfield. I'm telling you, I think he literally just looked up famous duos. Cheech and Chong. And has been going through the list ever since. I'm trying to dig deep. Which one of you is uh, Dick Powell? Me? Your name's Jesse Cox. <laughs> I want to lose